Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music and lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon Jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hello and welcome to the MMQV NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Framling. And I'm Connor Orr. Happy Thanksgiving, Gary. Happy Thanksgiving, a day early, or I guess it depends on when people are listening to this. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving today or yesterday, or I don't know, maybe you're listening to this in like July. Uh, We recorded this around Thanksgiving. July 2023, going all the (laughs) way back to the, uh, whatever it is, the week 11 show. Good for you. Yeah, you were just uh, relaxing on a nice summer evening and said, you know what? gonna go back with some uh football podcasts from november <laughs> you picked I mean, the right one we, we have did. a we have a wonderful hodgepodge of topics to get to today we're going to talk about brandon staley and fourth downs so we're going to talk about jimmy garoppolo who is uh if, if you're a box score watcher i think maybe you're intrigued and uh i think there are a couple things happening on the field that should intrigue you as well both uh some things we've talked about and some things maybe we haven't uh when it comes to jimmy g specifically also some zach wilson stuff and we'll maybe take a peek ahead to who might be options for 2023 if we'll leave it anonymous but maybe you're a team that has zach wilson as your quarterback right now and you're thinking about what you're going to do about that 
next season and what your options are if you're not picking in the top five anymore. But uh, let's start this one off with the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes. And I guess we can open this by asking, uh, not rhetorically, because we answer our questions on this show, uh, should we be excited about the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes? Oh, I know your answer. Um, Because you... It's hard to get you excited about much, Gary, honestly. Very true. Yeah. Um, I'm, so, I'm jaded and bitter and cynical. <laughs> so I would put you in the in the non-excited category. And I think that we mostly have every reason in the world to feel that way, right? Odell Beckham hasn't had a really a productive number one wide receiver type season since 2018, 2019. So it's been a while. In that time span, he's twice now torn his... ACL mm-hmm. I would argue that when he came back with the Rams and once he got acclimated to the offense he looked fantastic I can say with a fair degree of certainty that he was a massive part of their game plan against the Bengals in the Super mm-hmm. Bowl um, can we get back to that place ever again I don't know I, I know that here's what I know about Odell, Odell Beckham I know that he rehabs like a maniac. I know mm-hmm. that he takes this stuff incredibly seriously. Um, one story I heard when we were reporting on the Super Bowl last year was he was so dialed into this stuff that he was going to go on vacation to the Bahamas, just take a couple days to clear his head. And he's like, no. Nope. And he flew his entire, which is not an, it's not a cheap thing to do for an athlete to fly your entire rehab team to uh, some sunny locale, Caribbean locale, mm-hmm. and force them to do more training and more rehab with you. Um, you know, all to get back in time to play with the Rams last year. I thought that was significant. He does care. I think he really wants to be good at this. Um, I think it's just a, me- you know, so I can understand the people who are saying, I don't really care. He's been hurt. It's too late in the season to make an impact. It's not going to matter understood i say the flip side of it is there is an interesting optics part of this there's an interesting narrative part of this if the decision really does come down to legitimate offers from the giants and the cowboys gary i think that's i think that's kind of cool it is kind of cool uh i would if i were talking to odo Beckham jr if he starts responding to my texts or dms uh i would tell him this because I don't, you know, there's, going back to the Browns days, there was so much noise about like, oh, this this guy's a distraction, and look, his dad's putting stuff on Instagram and all that stuff. I don't really buy that with him. Uh, I don't think he's any more of a distraction than any other, uh, you know, at the time, number one receiver uh, in the NFL who is not getting the kind of targets that he probably should be getting. Uh, I would put this forward, though. We've talked about the Giants all season, how they have overachieved wonderfully, magnificently. Uh, And if you told the Giants fan in July, you're going to win seven games this season, uh, you'd be so pumped about that. There's a good chance the Giants are just going to go like one and six down the stretch or something like that. That's just, you know, it's just going to level off. This is a team that has uh, won a lot of coin flip type games. They are still under talented. They're overachieving, but they're still under talented. Uh, if Odell Beckham Jr. gets there, 
and this team goes one in six, two and five, whatever your nightmare finishes for a team that frankly has, you know, already exceeded expectations at this point. It just draws in that whole thing where it's like, oh, well, you know, shouldn't have brought in Odell. You know, you were on pace to win 12 games and then Odell got here and now look at it. And I think that's it, it would be unfair. But also, that's just not that's not a headache you want to deal with. I would agree. I mean, so I would say this. I I covered Odell. I was there when he started lighting the world on fire in New York, uh, met his family on draft night uh, at the old Radio City Music Hall thing that they used to do, which is very cool, and they don't mm-hmm. do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I I remember the size and the scope of the impact he had on the area, on the team, on the fan base. I did – you and I worked on something together at Sports Illustrated where I went down to Irvington um, – and was checking out some youth football practices and you know all these kids have Odell Beckham haircuts they're all doing one-handed catches they're all trying to he changed everything mm-hmm. and i think that there's probably a part of him that didn't like how it ended in new york dave gettleman's gone everybody that kind of posited him as the problem is gone you can go back to that place and be who you are and have that connection and that relationship again or you go to Dallas and you kind of pull LeBron and Heat and you just play with the best team in football and you potentially go and win a Super Bowl. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know what's in his head. You know, that's the thing. None of us can decide for him in that moment. Um, but I don't know. I, uh, I I can understand the attraction to returning back to New York. I think any of his remaining teammates, which I can't imagine there are very many, um, still like him. He was very well liked mm-hmm. in that locker room. So I don't know. I think you would be welcome back with open arms. I think that would be a fun narrative, especially if he could help them. But I agree with you, Gary. The Giants, I believe, have the hardest remaining schedule in the NFL. Yeah. I think it's brutal, actually. Um, and so, you know, not that you're taking the easy way out, but boy, wouldn't it be nice to get like single coverage, you know? Yes, absolutely. There, there's that. And, and like I said, I, I think the, I mean, gosh, as if the QB wins, people weren't uh, obnoxious enough. I think the wide receiver wins, people would be coming out of the woodwork to uh, to rip Odell uh, for something that's completely out of his power down the stretch here. But, but yeah, if you go down to Dallas, you're not only joining a winner. I don't really think there's a scenario where Odell Beckham Jr. comes back and is a bigger concern for defenses than C.D. Lamb even if he came back and recaptured his 2015 form, uh, I just don't think that, you know, you're going to get up to speed in the offense quickly enough to to be that kind of threat. So you are basically going out to Dallas and, and guaranteed to get single coverage most of your time down there. If they want to feature you in a game plan, they can go ahead and do it. They have a quarterback who can, you know, distribute the ball the way they want to distribute the ball in any given week. So uh, there's just a lot of positives here. I would look, I I have a ton of respect for the boldness. If he returns to the giants at this point in the season, but uh, uh, you got to go to Dallas. You just gotta. I, And again, I'm not an Odell uh, biographer. I'm not an Odell historian. I think there's an element of how much do these teams love me? How much do these teams care about me? Jerry Jones, as skeptical as you should be going into a meeting with that guy, 
um, is very, very good at making you feel loved, making you feel important, making you feel like he's going to take care of you. And in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, he does. I mean, you and I worked on that story about Dak Prescott and how there is an, a built-in value of being a cowboy. I mean, even, um, gosh, what was their linebacker um, from Notre Dame that had the knee? Jay- Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. I mean, Jalen Smith wanted to design eyewear. And so Jerry Jones said, okay, design eyewear and sell it at the pro shop. I don't care. Um, some of these guys want to do things when they're done with football. Jerry Jones lets them do it. There's certainly an attractiveness there, I would imagine, for Odell. But here's the third level of this 3D chess that we're trying to play here. How many of these people are actually really interested? How many of these people are trying to drive a price up? How mm-hmm. many of these people are saying they're interested so that the fan base doesn't kill them when they don't make the move? Um, could this at some point just be, you know, it's a one-team race with a whole lot of ghosts crawling around in there? Yeah, also a possibility. I would think that, I mean, it just fits the Cowboys' MO, right? I mean, you you bring him in, you can probably convince him to take pretty much veterans minimum to come in here. Uh, and like I said, I don't, the whole distractive narrative with Odell Beckett, I, I don't think that is really a thing uh, in reality. You bring him in, it's a no downside type of move. And, uh, and that's where you go. If you, you know, if you bring him in the Giants, he's by far, and, you know, you mentioned Wandale Robinson and how impressive he's been, uh, increasingly impressive he's been over the last, and now he's out. So you bring him into the Giants, uh, he is by far your number one target in the passing game. If he's not getting, you know, whatever, eight catches, 100 yards every week, now you got to answer questions about it. That's, that's no fun. Right. And you go down to Dallas and you're just kind of a fun curiosity, right? You are the eighth most eighth or ninth most responsible person for a loss after a game like that, mm-hmm. right? Your reporters in the locker room, you're going to Dak Prescott, you're going to Ezekiel Elliott, you're going to Pollard, you're going to CD Lamb. Um you're probably waiting around for Jerry Jones to pop out. Odell, I mean, if he wants, you know he's one of the first or second guys that actually just gets to leave the locker room. So yeah, good for him. You know, yeah. I'm, it, it's not, I remember when he came back with the Browns and there was like a media receiving line longer than the exit stairs of my wedding. You know, mm-hmm. I, like there was more people just, and I didn't really have a big wedding, but um, <laughs> there's a lot of people there waiting to say, ah, is Odell's back and blah, 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 you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I was surprised, Gary. Good for us. We, we we devoted a lot of time to Odell. This was a fair amount of time to give Odell back. We did. I, I think it's uh, it's very proportional. Uh, the last thing I want to mention, and this is not really, it's not a take, it's just an observation uh, as I was reading Albert Breer, uh, mutual friend, Albert Breer, uh, both of us. I, I think that's now uh, now confirmed at this point, but he mentioned in his, in his column, I think it was his Monday afternoon column, uh, this is kind of like the year or the the mini era of the reasonable ACL rehab <laughs> timeline because after Adrian Peterson it was kind of like oh you tore your ACL cool see you in four months uh playing at an MVP level uh we have Tredavious White still not back Chase Young just getting ready to come back those guys got they tore their ACLs three months before 
uh, Odell Beckham Jr. did. And they're just getting back onto the field. Jameson Williams, uh, last January in the national title game with Alabama tore his ACL, he's just getting cleared to practice. So it's kind of like, oh, well, maybe this is going to be a 9 to 12 month, month injury again, rather than a, I don't know, like... Adrian Peterson thing that we all kind of take for granted. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, and is that enough time? Is it responsible? Is it a responsible timeline? If I'm the Cowboys, if I'm maybe the 49ers, mm-hmm. if I'm the Bills, like if I'm a team that knows I can handle it, right? Because you have the Bills, Von Miller is going to police that locker room. You have the Cowboys. You have a lot of personalities in there are going to take care of it. 49ers, everything's pretty closed door there. That place kind of runs itself. I would just want him in case like Debo Samuel tears his ACL in like the second knock on wood. I, I, I hope that doesn't happen to anybody. Yeah. But, you know, like let's say you're in the first round of the playoffs and one of your one of your lead guys like Brandon Ayuk or something like that gets a high ankle sprain or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would just want him on the roster just to be like. I'd, I'd pay him a good deal of money and just be like, just sit there. If you want to return punts, that's great. But we just kind of need you here in case something bad happens to somebody else. Yeah. So topic number two in our hodgepodge show, uh, Brandon Staley on fourth down. It's obviously a huge point of conversation last year. Uh, this is a tweet. Uh, Twitter still lives. This is from Ted Seth. Uh, I know him from PFF. He also, I want to make sure, because we're working off his content here. I want to make sure everyone knows where to find him. Uh, he is also co-host of the Take the Points with a Z podcast, uh, if you want to go check that out. But uh, Ted had put out this stat on uh, Brandon Staley, fourth down uh, decisions here for the Chargers. Uh, in 2021, this is... Win probability added on fourth down for the Chargers. They were plus 128%. Uh, this year, they are minus 46%. And, uh, you know, I guess the discussion becomes, uh, are the Chargers worse off for Brandon Staley becoming a more conventional fourth down decision maker? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think that there are probably a lot of elements to this. The first one that I don't think we can dismiss is that Brandon Staley has one of the most attractive jobs in the NFL mm-hmm. and also one of the highest pressure jobs in the NFL. You have an elite quarterback that is probably a year away from signing a $55 million a year contract. You have, you're playing in the most beautiful place in, well, what people would consider the most beautiful place in America. Yeah. Rohan, our, our buddy Rohan is an LA elitist. Um, mm-hmm. He took uh, Mitch Goldich and I in a taco tour, though, which was phenomenal. Um, almost converted me, but very much a West Coast elitist. So there are a lot of people who would like to live there. That's that's all I'll say. Um, yes. Great roster uh, in theory. You'd have to add a few more pieces, I think. But I think that there is probably pressure on him to look like less of an outlier, especially when some of those decisions – hurt him the way that they did last year and again even though those decisions were outliers we're like oh god look at this guy doing this but most of the time they were incredibly sensible i would guess that a hundred percent of them fell within the range of analytically explainable yes no absolutely and and look even if you want to be skeptical of the numbers 
uh, which which he can be. Uh, we don't have to take this all as gospel, but uh, plus one twenty eight percent over the course of the season. That's within the uh, the margin of error. I mean, that's yeah, that helped them. His fourth down decision making was a definite plus uh, a year ago. I just brought up the raw numbers here. Uh, I filtered. Uh, so this is fourth and three or less last season versus this season. Uh, last year, th- it, the numbers are actually not that different as, as far as going forward here. Uh, let's see, t- uh, 12 for 21 whole season a year ago on fourth and three or less. Uh, this year, they are six for 13. So going at, you know, about the same rate, uh, a little bit less. But also the issue is they're making it less. Uh, their offense is not as good. And we've talked about this. They obviously trust the quarterback. I don't think this is a Justin Herbert issue. They don't trust the team around him right now. Uh, they are incapable of running the ball in a lot of situations here. And uh, I think that is playing into it as well. I think he's a little, I think he's a little less bold, but they're also less successful. So that probably those things, you know, as well as public pressure. And I don't know how much public pressure there really is from Chargers fans, but as you said, this is an attractive job for, you know, someone who is maybe a desirable coaching candidate who's out of work right now. Uh, but they, hmm. they, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know, anyone calling uh, Jason Garrett? Adam Gase, see if he <laughs> wants to head over here. Uh, but yeah, the... The fact that you don't trust your offense and your offense has given you some reasons to not trust it in these situations uh, also is is part of this whole sort of mess that the Chargers find themselves in. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, you made a good point in terms of pressure from Chargers fans because, uh, Gary, there are no Chargers fans, which is, uh, you know, which is a good thing. It's a, I, I would I would love to coach a team with no fans. I know. I mean, look, that's. That's also probably one of the reasons this job is attractive. There's not there's not that much pressure. Yes, there's, you know, people are going to mock you if you can't win with Justin Herbert. But, you know, it's, it's it. No one's going to feel that uh, that passionate about it because they don't feel I that mean, passionate about the team. Jason Garrett won like what? Well, let me be fair to him. How many playoff games did he win with Tony Romo and Dak Prescott? Not enough. They, yeah, they just had the one, right? One or two? We can, I'm sure somebody tracked that stat. <laughs> I'm sure somebody uh, tracked Cowboys playoff wins. Uh, two when and he three. Got there, playoff he was two record. and three. So he, yeah, he so he won two playoff games with Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. stunning. Ah. <sighs> I should also mention before we move on here. Uh, I had uh, I'm related I, to Jason Garrett. <laughs> I'm related in some way to every head coach in the league. I'm just going to keep on throwing that out there. Maybe it'll help my brand. Uh, but no, we had talked on on Sunday about perhaps what planet uh, Joe Lombardi is it thinks he's calling plays on with this ultra conservative Justin Herbert offense. And I know a lot of people were just yelling uh, as I listened to the show. Uh, of course, it's HD four hundred three hundred seven G, which is the exoplanet that uh, is considered Super Earth. And uh, as all of you know, Earth's gravitational pull at nine point eight oh seven meters per second squared. Uh on HD 40307G, it's 
meters per second squared. So think about that, you know? Like you and I, as we get older, we probably feel like Earth's gravitational pull is like, you know, 10.3 meters per second squared. But if you played on HD 40307G, 13.93 meters per second squared. Do you remember, uh, like, when you were in high school and uh, you would, you'd be in class and then you'd, you'd completely zone out and mm-hmm. then you'd come back and the teacher was talking about something that, and you're just like, what's going on here? Um, I, I wasn't, <laughs> that didn't totally happen to me, um, but I was like, like I kind of left earth for a second and came back during the math part. And it's so funny how our brains work, right? Cause my brain was just like, Nope, let's just keep going away. Cause we don't like these. <laughs> we don't like these words. These are bad words. That's, I think we should build that into every podcast though. Everyone just gets to zone out for two minutes here. And I'll talk about <laughs> science. That I looked up on the internet. <laughs> Let me recap the latest chapter of, uh, <laughs> Of my FDR biography yeah. that I'm reading. Let's, let's talk some Jane Eyre here. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there you go. All right, Good job, Gary. Let's uh, let's talk Jimmy Garoppolo, and then we're going to talk about Zach Wilson. And these things are are they're not married, but you could make loose connections here in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo having a very successful season, and in a way, this might kind of be just just the the year of Jimmy Garoppolo as far as what's going on around the league here. I think so. And I think um, it, it was a really smart move, right? And that's, you go get Christian McCaffrey and that pushes it over the edge, but based on kind of what kind of coverages teams are playing right now, based on the attrition rate of defensive players, like nobody has their starting lineup in right now. Um, I would guess that I, I would guess based on limited practice time, all that stuff, missed tackles are up. The 49ers are just basically built a juggernaut, a check down juggernaut, right? And so mm-hmm. they're just saying, okay, you know, try to cover everybody here in five yards, and then we're just going to break tackles. And people are starting to catch on to it, certainly. I mean, la- uh, so we're recording this on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Monday Night Football the night before had a, had a yak track on the uh on the 49ers wide receivers mm-hmm. and I'm like okay yeah people are starting to get it um I think the stat was something like two thirds of their yards against both of in both of the Rams games came from yak and this isn't to diminish Jimmy Garoppolo but it's just saying that the 49ers know his outer reaches as a quarterback and so they're saying we're not even gonna get there we're not gonna make that a thing in a game um He's just going to kind of dump the ball off. And at its most difficult, you do what you did last night uh, during, I think it was the first Brandon Ayuk touchdown where, you know, you have to get to the third guy in your progression. And it's still like a 10-yard throw, but a lot of open guys. Um, And that's it. Like 10, you know, 5 to 10-yard open throws, and people are going to break a lot of tackles. It's like right now the two places you'd want to be as, you know, sort of generic quarterback X. Uh, one is Miami where it's just they're they're blowing open wide open spaces uh, with which to work. I mean, the throwing windows are just enormous uh, in San Francisco. The windows are not necessarily enormous uh, and I'm still not 
thrilled with Garoppolo's ball placement in, in a lot of instances here. But, uh, I mean, man, the <laughs> the reward for just putting it into Debo Samuel's uh, hands or Christian McCaffrey's hands or, or Brandon Ayuk's hands and watching them go is just, it's, it's enormous. And you're right, it's the year of the catch stuff. I wanted to highlight, uh, excuse me, the, the, the year of the yak stuff, not the year of the catch. It's always the year of the catch. You want to catch the ball when it's thrown to you. Uh, the... I, I want to highlight like two plays here from Jim Garoppolo. And I wonder if this is going to be uh, sort of a trend. It's a small sample size, uh, but I, I wonder if this is going to be a trend going forward uh, a little bit where he becomes just a little more confident in what's going on out there. And maybe last year had something to do with Trey Lance waiting in the wings. Uh, but also he just throughout his career has not been a guy who's particularly good later in the downs. Um, uh, whether that's working deeper into progressions or, you know, God forbid, he gets moved off his spot and has to kind of improvise a little bit, it tends to go really badly. The last two weeks, we have seen a play. There, there was one uh, in the victory over, gosh, who uh, who was it, the Rams two weeks ago? I can't even remember the 49ers' schedule now. All I, all I can remember is uh, watching their offense and kind of marveling at it. Uh, when they played in a primetime game, and it was against the Los Angeles Chargers. That's who it was. See, nobody likes the Chargers. No one can even recognize them no one. from uh, from a game here. Uh, when they played the Chargers, they had a play where uh, he was kind of looking left, looking left, looking left. Nothing was there. He had to move off his spot, which, again, is just bad news uh, over the course of his career. And ended up hitting Christian McCaffrey on like a wheel route. And it was like, wow, that was the most un-Garoppolo play I've ever seen him make. And you saw on Monday night, you know, the touchdown to Brandon Ayuk, which he didn't have to move around. But it's a long developing, you know, he's moving through his progressions, not with a ton of speed. But uh, getting deep into his progression, there's no panic in it. And then he fires a really well-placed ball into the end zone. And it's a touchdown. Uh those are kind of un-Garoppolo things that are going on here. And that's what lifts a guy beyond kind of, again, we're talking about two plays. He's always going to be a system guy, but that lifts you above just being the system guy. And if those, you know, one or two times in a playoff game where he has to create something late in the down, uh, if those turn into even just not negative plays, uh, and and even if he gets a positive play out of it, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, that could be the difference between winning a postseason game and losing one. Yeah, uh, I th- my curiosity is what happens if what happens if you force him? Like, could could he roast you deep consistently? Yeah. Um. And I don't know. And so here's an interesting uh, advanced stat, Gary. And I know you're um. I, so I accused you before of being anti-advanced stats, and I was I was wrong on that. I'm not, you're not anti-advanced stats, mm-hmm. but you are healthily skeptical of advanced stats. Is that fair? Yes, I I like advanced stats. I think they are. I think there are a lot of them that are misused and uh, misunderstood. Okay, so average error, um, uh, average average yards to the sticks. So uh, how many yards between each of your throws? Um, your intended target, how far away f- from the first down marker are mm-hmm. they? Okay. Um, Tua is one of the highest in the NFL. He's throwing 
0.3 yards ahead of the sticks on average on every mm-hmm. throw. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is... It's got to be like minus four. Fourth to last. Yeah, it's minus two. So he's throwing two yards behind... The only quarterbacks who are worse than Garoppolo this year are Kyler, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, and Matt Ryan. Davis Mills is throwing to the sticks. Mac Jones is throwing to the sticks. Kenny Pickett is throwing to the sticks more than Jimmy Garoppolo, which is stunning. Um, But it tells the story, right? And I get it. The 49ers have put teams into an impossible position where... So here's what I wanted to ask you. If you had to draft a team, and you don't have to go through all 11 players, but like, what kind of players are you putting on the field that could routinely stop the 49ers? I I don't know what you would play against them, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I don't think there are many teams who have those guys uh, or enough of those guys. It'd be like four Aaron Donalds up front, and then because you would need like versatile upfield penetrating defensive tackles, it would be like two Devondre Campbells at linebacker. Yeah, you and, want a couple of Fred Warners. Yeah, take, like a Fred Warner. Take him Warner. off the 49ers roster. Yeah. <laughs> There's um, only one of them, and the 49ers already have him. And then, yeah, I, I mean, like a bunch of in-prime Stephen Gilmores and, like, Kevin Byards. I don't know. Like, and even then, I, I you know. Take a Jalen Ramsey who's gonna who's gonna be physical enough to to put Debo Samuel on the ground. Although, look how many how many cornerbacks in the league are are gonna be able to do that? Are gonna be able to consistently uh, get Debo Samuel and and uh, Brandon Ayuk on the ground? Not to mention who's gonna cover Christian Cap. I mean, there there are so few defenses with even multiple answers for this on their roster, let alone enough answers to really get it figured out. It seems to me like, I mean, we talked, uh, Gary, you just had this phenomenal physics equation that you were talking about a couple minutes ago that I was Mm -hmm. super into. And, um, (laughs) but I wonder if like, (laughs) if, is there something, and, and is this just me? Because sometimes I find that like, if a team has quote unquote momentum, the players just look bigger and faster and stronger and the other team just looks weaker and more helpless. I felt that way for years, especially being like a, a Notre Dame fan growing up. There were games <laughs> where we, we looked like just mm-hmm. like the the giants from uh, Space Jam. And then there were games where it was like, what's going on here? Why is everyone so small and frail? Um, it's, and it's the same group of people. But with the 49ers consistently, it's not toughness. It's not it's there's just something innate that like, I wonder if you could scout for that's just like, Hey, when this guy slams into your guy, he's going to do it harder than other people. Do do you know what I'm saying? Like, and it just seems like they have like eight guys who do that. It's competitiveness. It's uh, I mean, look, Tebow Samuel is a, a violent runner and you can go back to sort of, sort of the, again, we're we're singling out plays. So I, I don't want to, uh, I feel like that's I, I, I've already been pegged as a, a hater of analytics on this show, and I don't want to I don't want to lean into that in any way, shape or form. Since it's so untrue. But uh, you can go back to last year. I, I think it was Jair Alexander had a chance to get Debo Samuel on the ground and force a punt uh, late in the fourth quarter of that playoff game in Green Bay. Couldn't do it. Couldn't get him down like that's. 
that's the difference between winning and losing a game. And we talk all the time uh, about how so many of these games come down to it's almost a coin flip type of thing. It's they're going to come down to one or two plays. You know, you scheme things up, assuming your guy can tackle their guy if he needs to. You can't necessarily count on that with this 49ers team. Boy, uh, speaking of the Monday night game, uh, I think it was George Kittle's second touchdown where he just had a full head of steam. A lot of lot of business decisions being made on that play. (laughs) Troy Hickman called it embarrassing, and I was like, Troy, you played quarterback, man. Like, this is quarter four. You're losing by 25 points. You're playing on the Cardinals. You know, you've seen the worst fans in the NFL. You're, um, you're 7,000 uh, feet above sea level. 7,000 so feet above sea can't level. breathe. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, God I was watching what the turf that. situation was. All that was going through my head is like, man, this is like, I just feel bad for Buda Baker. And Buda Baker is going to be fine. He's a great player, but uh he had a rough game anyway but also the number of you know like on that one long uh, i think it was a long debo touchdown and uh you know there's a 300 pound lineman just bullying buddha baker 30 yards downfield and it's like this guy's just got to get out of here you just got to be like let's let's pack it up yeah that was um made me think a lot of uh youth football um did you play like peewee football when you were little Oh no, no, no. Um, That's no. Nah, you you gotta. I wanted to find an air raid program, and they don't have okay. that in Connecticut. Got it. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> it, it reminded me of. Um, I mean, it's funny now, like the mythos we put on other teams and stuff like that. But we were we were this team uh, just in the suburbs of Scranton. But then, if you went into Scranton, there were there was the North Side Vikings and the South Side Steelers, and they were the two best teams in our little peewee conference. Mm-hmm. And you would just, you would practice all week and you would just be hitting your friends and it would be fine. And then you'd get hit by these kids and you'd just be like, this is, I don't want to do this. This is terrible. These, these kids are made of a different material than, yeah. than, than the kids by me. There's like a bone density thing. I don't know what it is, but it hurts. And I would imagine that's what it's like to play the 49ers. Like, you're just like, ow, you know? Like, yeah. At the end of that game, you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. This sucks. And you're going to be doing it in uh, January and maybe yeah. February. And that's that's no fun. I mean, one of my favorite uh, trends that was not a trend at all, but I was hoping it would be uh, the the big backs that get basically kept in cellophane until December. And then you roll them out and it's like, oh, man, I don't want to I don't want to be tackling uh, James Starks right now. This is. Yeah. <laughs> But put the guy who's as banged up as I am out here. This isn't sure. fair. But uh, but that's going to be it. And, and I again, I just wonder. I think there's something to be said for a quarterback who uh, is just gaining confidence based on the results. And just seeing Jimmy Garoppolo do some stuff later in the down that he doesn't normally do. Uh, does that make him? You know, I I don't think he'll ever be the the strength of this team, but as it turned him from a guy who is kind of a liability uh, into a guy who is just, you know, sort of a true, even, you know, whatever, a, a non-consequential game manager. And that's with the rest of that team. You're totally fine with that. He's going to have a Super Bowl ring this year. We did our midseason picks and I switched it from Ravens Packers to uh, Ravens Niners. Yeah, 
which would I be mean, a cool Super Bowl. I think it is such a uh, gap from the Cowboys 49ers class to the rest of the NFC. I, I just, I don't see, I mean, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl, so we can't sit here and say definitively uh, that, like, the Vikings can't have a run or something like that, but logically, there's no reason anyone but the Cowboys or 49ers should come out of the NFC at this point. Agreed. And the Eagles. Sorry, I'm, I'm busting on the Eagles, but I do think the Eagles are a step below those two teams. Just dropping that in the bottom of a midweek podcast. I Love did. It. I did before I end up uh, clipped and, I don't know, getting yelled at on, uh, I don't know, Mastodon or wherever people are taking their social media these days. What is it called? Hive? Is that the new thing? I think there were a bunch out there. I'm actually happy to just not do anything going forward. <laughs> if that's, that's just going to be it. Yes. I got a call about TikTok the other day, not to pull back the, uh, not to pull back the curtain so much, but uh, yeah, I got a call about TikTok the other day. Um, like, like um, not feeling me out, but you know, I, I think TikTok was brought up, and boy, I mean, I'll do anything for work. Yep. I'm very lucky to have this opportunity. So mm-hmm. if, if the people need me on TikTok, I guess that's where I got to go. But you know, I don't. I don't need to be. I don't need to have my bad takes lumped in with like a bunch of pasta recipes and uh, what else is on dancing and uh, yeah, like weird stuff like that. Perhaps more interesting things than our football takes. Sure. That is, by the way, that's that's why the mountain goats went viral uh, a couple of months ago. That was a that was a TikTok thing. The mountain goats went viral in TikTok. They did. They did. Wow. No children. No children. People were dancing to it. Wow. So it's a pretty dark song to dance to. It is. <laughs> Which I guess made it cool. Yeah, sure. John John Darnell had some good quotes about it too. Uh I'll I'll email it to you later. Yes. I'll I'll share it with you on TikTok. You know that you got me into the Mountain Ghosts, right? And then I like one of their songs randomly came on one of my Apple Music playlists, which is the first time I've had Apple Music for five years, mm-hmm. six years. And this is the first time that they've ever suggested a band uh, to be like, hey, you might be interested in this. And I was like, oh, you're right. Um, Now, granted, my algorithm is so messed up because it's like, you know, you'll just hit it with like Grateful Dead and Wilco and all this stuff. And then it's just like nine straight hours of Daniel Tiger. And so the compute, the predictive machine is just like this guy Mm -hmm. is either either has kids or is is a complete psychopath. (laughs) (laughs) And so maybe you'll like the mountain goats. Here you go. And uh, it was great. And and, uh, I was very nervous about texting you about it because I said, hey, I really like this song. But I didn't know if that was like. That would be like people saying to Beatles fans, like, hey, Jude's a, a neat one. You know, I didn't know yeah. if it was like their most popular song. So I didn't want to like seem like a total noob, you know? And I want I want to be clear. I I, uh, I do not force my musical taste on anyone. I, I did it very subliminally, and I'm I'm glad you're in. But everyone should like do their own thing. Uh, I, I wear the T-shirt every once in a while. And uh, when I had the column, I used to plop them at the end of it and that sort of thing. But uh but yeah, it was it was a it was a good early Christmas gift. Good band, good band. Uh, let's talk about Zach Wilson. There's no segue off of Mountain Goats to uh, Zach Wilson here. Uh, so we talked about the performance on Sunday. It was it was bad. People have sort of picked over it a little bit more and found more bad stuff out of it. And then there was kind of 
uh, you know, they've avoided it this year. Uh, they've avoided it kind of as expectations have lowered, but even as this team has won games, they've avoided kind of the back page tabloidy type of stuff. But, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, the sense in the locker room is that Zach Wilson is walking around like this isn't his problem or he's not the problem. And team, you know, his teammates are taking exception to it, which I don't know how much truth there is to that, but I think it's pretty easy to identify that Zach Wilson is the issue right now. And Robert Sala has not committed to him as a starting quarterback going forward. Zach Wilson, maybe uh, his mountain goat song would be, uh, um, this year, right? So he just keeps yeah. telling himself, I'm going to make it through this year if it kills me. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, a little on the nose, a little bit mainstream, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on it. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, uh, Connor Hughes, uh, who I used to work with, I, mm-hmm. he, he had the, he works for SNY. He had the report from the Jets locker room about people looking at Zach Wilson side item, kind of being like, ah, screw this guy. Connor's great. I'm sure. I'm sure that's a hundred percent on board. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's he's really good at his job, um, and I remember him when he was a little like a like a college kid coming into. So very very proud of him. Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's he does good work. Um, I don't know where you go from here, um, and I think this will probably define in some way Robert Sala's tenure because if you can just if you can squeeze a couple of wins out of Mike White and Joe Flacco. You can go to Woody Johnson at the end of the year and just be like, okay, we we coached this team up. Yes, we made a mistake on the QB, but everybody messed up in that draft on the mm-hmm. QB. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, not that he messed up, but he's not he's still not using the guy. Get us Jimmy G or someone like that to run this offense. Everything's in place, and I promise you 10, 10 wins next year. Like, we're going to do this. I think you could probably do that. You could get that kind of inequity. I mean, I think that if you've exhausted all of your efforts, I think it's totally fine to normalize the idea that you got to cut you got to cut this guy loose um and you got to do what's best for both of them and just get him out of there. And I'm hypercritical of teams that don't try. Like I was mm-hmm. hypercritical of the Bears with Justin Fields under Matt Nagy because you're just getting that kid killed. Now, if it still doesn't work out with Justin Fields and what they're doing right now after next season. Okay, go ahead. Part ways. You've done your you've done what's best for him. The Jets are running one of the most quarterback friendly systems in the NFL. They drafted a receiver who you and I think well, at least I think is far and away the best receiver in that rookie class, but is just getting no there's no opportunities for him to succeed. Um they have a really good offensive line. They went and got Dwayne Brown when there was injuries to the front. They're doing all these things to invest in you. Last year, they allowed your personal quarterbacks coach to be on the staff and paid him um, and covered like, like covered it, which is something that Zach Wilson would have had to have done independently and does do independently now. But so I, I feel like you could wash your hands of this now and be like, okay, we've done yeah. our best. Everyone makes mistakes. After this season, I think it's best that you probably go play for the Panthers because <laughs> that's the only team that I think would probably take you at this point. Um, but, uh, you know. That's and, where they all end up. Uh, yeah. The, 
his play is the biggest issue. Like, you can't get bogged down in, in what are the optics of this and all that stuff. He's The play has to be better from the quarterback, whether it's Zach Wilson or someone else. Uh, it has to change. The thing that kind of, again, not get bogged down in the optics, but what rubs you kind of wrong is it's a moment where you just want your quarterback to just you know, uh, getting the getting the cliche train and just start throwing those out. But you know, uh, the the question that Connor had, uh, Connor Hughes again, one of the good Connors, uh, as, as you are. I, I didn't want to make it sound like you two are in conflict. Uh, what <laughs> what what Connor Hughes? The, the question he posed at the press availability after the game was, "Do you feel like you let the defense down at all?" And Zach Wilson's answer was kind of a defiant no. And it's like, okay, you don't have to grovel and kind of be like, oh, you know, oh, I'm the worst and all this. But you just have to kind of fall back on, you know, we got to be better. Like, it's just one of those or something. You can't come out defiant after a performance like that. You just have to, you know, people are just going to feed off that in the worst possible way. Uh, but yes, the issue continues to be the level of play is it's just not good enough. And, um, Earlier in the season, it was the insistence on doing a lot of Aaron Rodgers impressions that didn't work. And now it's just it's kind of everything. It's just a complete lack of precision in his in his play at this point. The the media and I I don't mean to do like hyper media criticism because I'm certainly part of the problem. Um, I don't consider myself like, quote unquote, media, but I you can it's fair to lump lump me in there, too. But it's so funny how the the take the take wave that just became a take tsunami cresting last night on Monday night football when Booker McFarlane is criticizing his upbringing. I was like, golly, did you see that? Uh, (laughs) I I didn't. Oh my God. So it went from, okay, Zach going, no, uh, which is okay. Level one of that take level two is that, um, he's, he's whatever you want to call him. He's part of the problem. He's selfish. He's not taking responsibility, whatever it is. And then wave three is that the Jets should bench him. Wave four is blah, blah, blah. And then last night, <laughs> Booker McFarlane is like, he's like, this kid came from money um, and has never had to work for anything in his life. So why should we expect him to be accountable now? And like, I'm just yeah. like, good God, is this like this? Just give him a chance. Like, you know, what did, what did Zach Wilson do to any of you guys? He's just like, he's a child. He's a 22. <laughs> how accountable for you, for anything were you as a, as a 22 year old? He's just playing quarterback poorly right now. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, that's like... the issue. It's, it's, uh, and again, like, the the sort of defiance in the answer uh, he's gotta you can put out that fire by just kind of being you know like oh gotta be better you know but nothing you do about it now on to the next game type of thing uh it's it's just he's gotta play better or whoever plays quarterback for them has to play better yeah and I could see the strategy. Like, I don't think what Zach did was necessarily a lack of accountability. Like, every quarterback up there is doing an impression of somebody. And I think yes. what he was trying to do is just shut is just shut it down and be like, I don't care about what you're saying to me right now. You know? Correct. Like, I think he was trying to present himself as unfazed and not yes. protect his protect his 
fragile ego or something like that. Like, I think we're kind of we're, we're getting a little too Freudian with this thing. Yeah, it, we are. But it's also those things. It, it's all performative, right? Like there's no um, no one's really going to get uh, an incredible illuminating answer uh, in those settings. It's just performative. It's for sound bites. It's for throwing around on social media, stuff like that. And that's why you can't feed it. And he ended up feeding it, whether he knew he was going to feed it or not with that answer. If I was a player, I would only like, uh, you know, I'd have to be pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I'd have to be a good player. But if I was a player, I'd say, look, I'm going to do my weekly press availability, but we're only going to discuss what I'm reading right now. And so if everyone wants to read the book that I'm reading, we can all do, you know, we can all have like a four a, a four agreements discussion, and we can talk about Don Miguel Ruiz and you know whatever, mm-hmm. and we can just do that for fifteen minutes every week. Or like, if you don't want to talk about whatever I'm reading, like I'll leave it in my locker, and then you just come over and you say, okay, what's the book club this week? I would do that, you know. Because then that way you're not in trouble. After the game, you're like, can you believe that this team, you know, is melting down? And it's just like, well, you know, listen, I'm halfway through. Uh, right now I'm reading, uh, uh, I got Best American Short Stories. I found the 2008 version of it um, mm-hmm. at a bookstore for like a nickel. So I, nice. I bought that. So I'm like halfway through that now. It's very good. That's good. what I want to talk about. You have to, you can't waver ever from that though. Right, but that's the thing. And then that way you are never – there's so many good things that come from that and so few bad things, right? Like yeah. um, the only bad thing is you have like kind of a hard-charging local columnist probably call you a jerk or something like that and uh, or they'll say that you don't care about football and and that's probably the only fire hose you got to put out. But if you're if you're halfway decent, right, you just be like, I, I just want to talk about Andrew Luck kind of had that going for a little while. <laughs> he did. He did. A lot of people want to talk about Papillon, you know. So I made a big list, Connor, and I'm I'm going to like rapid fire these at you. And this is not necessarily Jets centric, but it's a little bit Jets centric. But it can be where well, this can be for Panthers fans or for Bucks fans or for whoever is going to be shopping for a quarterback uh, this upcoming offseason. Um, or if, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're just building an expansion team on your own and you're trying to identify who you want, uh, for quarterback before you take it to city council and start getting the permits in place and then take it to the NFL and ask them for a expansion team very nicely. Uh, so I'm going to name the guy and you kind of give me a, uh, for generic QB needy team. Do you want him or not? Okay. Not not a long term, or you you can specify like yeah, I want to sign that guy for five years, but uh, we'll rapid fire these. Uh, and I kind of broke them into many categories. Uh, first one being almost certainly not available unless something catastrophic happens to him. But uh, Lamar Jackson, I, I think everyone will want Lamar Jackson. Depends depends on what kind of team I have. Um, if I have if I have like a big if I have big personnel, if I have a good offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would take him in a heartbeat. If I have the Cardinals roster, it's not possible. You, you would get him killed. So yeah. I would, I would say it depends on it depends on who I have. Tom Brady. Yes. Derek Carr. 
Mm. Boy. Oh, uh, I think that's such an... I, it, Derek Carr is such a quick yes for me. I think the Raiders he? are nuts to move on from him. I think they're going to, though. I think there's a very good chance they're going to, which also makes it, by the way, super awkward for Devontae Adams. But yeah. um, I, um I, I'm a yes, um, but I'm thinking my way through it. Um, you know where he would have been perfect? And it's weird that he's playing in the same offense now, but like if if everything had happened where Tom Brady went straight to the Raiders and then like if they would have mm. traded those players and sent Derek Carr to New England, I think Bill yep. Belichick really likes him. But yeah. anyway, um, y- yes, yes on Derek Carr. Yes, I would want him. I think he's a top 10 player when he's playing at his best. Correct. Yeah. I, no, I, I look, I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's a, a full on Mahomes, Josh Allen, Herbert whoever else you put in that class but i do think he's he's a game manager plus yes uh i think he's a he's what jimmy garoppolo is on his best days and uh you can put him in a lot of different systems and make this thing work uh i'd put these guys first one definitely and probably not available uh at this point geno smith um yes because I, I would just like to have him on the team, you know? I So I don't know if that means, like, he has to be my starter or whatever it is, but I would like to have him on my team. I think okay. he's he's a good person to have on the team. I mean, I think he's I, I think he's getting a, you know, not a not a five-year deal, but I think he's getting a, two or, a solid two or three years in Seattle on his next deal. I think so, too. Good for him. Um, Abrick Daniel, Daniel Jones. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. If they finish, and again, I think there's a very good chance the Giants are just going to finish like eight and nine, and and it's going to be like, oh, we we lost six or seven to end the season. What are we going to do about it? Do you think he becomes available? What what's your gut feeling? My gut feeling is that he does not become available because the Giants don't have a lot of recourse right now. They're, yeah. they're not going to pick high enough to get a replacement. And and I don't know if, like, what else are you going to do? Are you going to go out and get Derek Carr? Maybe. Um, I mean, his brother played there. There there are connections there. His brother played there for a very long time. Mm-hmm. He knows the ownership there well. Like, may, maybe you go do that. I don't know. But um, beyond that, I don't know what your other options are. I think you probably have to stick with him. Uh, these next guys I'm calling available bridge guys. Some of them will be more available than others. Uh, we'll start with Jared Goff. Yeah. I, yeah. Give me Jared Goff. Ryan Tannehill. Mm, no. Tannehill is tricky. He's so good in a very specific system, but I don't He's know so what he is. He's so good in a very specific system that has Derrick Henry. Yes. With a very specific player in that system <laughs> yeah, to make so the system not, even better. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take a hard pass on that. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes. <laughs> but I recognize, I know, I, I don't know, this is why you're laughing. I recognize No, no, hip- I'm, I'm laughing because of the next name. Okay, I recognize the hypocrisy there and because mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo is also very good in a specific system with good players. I, re- I, I, I know what I just said. Uh, Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> just say yes. Why don't you yes. just answer this one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, yeah. Why don't you answer that one? Oh, man. I hope the Broncos sign Jacoby Brissett for like, two million next year and then just open up the quarterback competition and just see how it plays out 
Oh, yeah. See where it goes. Uh, Taylor Heineke. Uh, like, are these guys aren't my star? Like, do I want them on the roster? <sighs> yes, you are in the market for a quarterback. So maybe you get one in the draft. Maybe you bring in two dudes and, and let them battle it out. But you right, do like, not have an answer on your roster right now. So, like, okay, so I'm the Texans or the Panthers, basically. More or less. Yeah. Okay. I'd say more Panthers, because Texans are just going to draft one first overall. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, yes, I would. If I'm the, yeah, if I'm the Panthers, I want Taylor Heineke in there. It's like a high upside 1A guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, for sure. Andy Dalton. Uh, he's playing well right now. Um, it's playing well enough. Yeah. Mm, I'd be no. fine. I just I keep on looking at Andy Dalton and being like, if you put him in Denver or you gave him to the Jets, what are we? We might be talking about like two in Denver. You're talking probably like three more wins. You're probably talking about two or three more wins with the Jets. Yeah. Like maybe you wouldn't have won that Browns game, but you certainly would have beaten the Patriots and. You might have beaten the Ravens week one. Played really well against the Ravens week one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Carson Wentz. No. What about you? Oh, man. I, it's like I'd love to kick the tires on him, but I don't want to put him on the field while I do. <laughs> so it's like, what do you, what do you, you know, you have a 31-year-old guy. You're going to develop him behind the scenes? Probably not. I, I think it's over for Carson Wentz, unfortunately. I do too, and I think it's. I think he's just been conveniently scapegoated over and over again to the point where it's probably just ruined his confidence. And it's hard because I think it's a lot of opportunistic people's faults who didn't want to take the blame for certain things. But you know that all, that kid's got to wear that now constantly. And is that too much to have in your locker room? I think that's going to be tough. Yeah. You know, like I think it, it might end up being sort of a Brock Osweilery situation. You know. He should have never, uh, he should still be in Indianapolis. And again, I think he was problematic for a few reasons in Indianapolis, but he wasn't, uh, you know, when I say problematic, I mean, not ideal. I mean, he was a guy who, uh, and I think you saw it in the Patriots game in December last year that they couldn't trust in certain situations, but, uh, that's, that's what half the starting quarterbacks in the league are. Yeah. Speaking of the Colts, Matt Ryan. No. Yeah, I think it's over for Matt Ryan. Uh, he was your guy last year around this time, Marcus Mariota? Yes, because okay. no matter what, like uh, the way that John Gruden used him, even if, like Marcus Mariota to me is non-threatening to a starter, yep. but he's also great to have just because he's mobile, he... He, for the most part, I think makes sound football decisions. I mean, the that one pick, what was it, two weeks ago, where he was just rolling on the ground and threw it straight in the air. That was bad, but I, I think he's okay. Yeah. I like having the mobile backup because I do like Me being too. the fallback on like, uh, I don't know, just run around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Joe, sure. Flock, Joe Flacco. I know. Yeah. On this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mentor. Uh, the gunslinger. Yes, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Baker Mayfield, mm. tricky. I mean, there's a lot. There's a there's a lot that comes with him. And again, I I think you could look back at 2020 and be like, okay, 
this can work if you do it right. But one, can you do it right? And two, if it goes a little bit wrong, it just tends to go really wrong. I recognize the hypocrisy in me saying no because I was so anti the Browns moving on from him, and especially after a season where he had an injury. And I was also really high on the Panthers taking him because I thought, you know, with Christian McCaffrey, there's some upside here, yada, yada. But I would say given how everything has turned out, it's it's probably a no for me. Although I'd have to sit down with him, right? Like, yeah. Are you willing to are you willing to just be a super quiet backup who's not going to talk to anybody or do anything and maybe like week eight, we, we give it a shot with you. You know, I I don't know. Like, like if I'm cliff Kingsbury, yes, sure. Yeah. That'd be cool. You know, if if I'm cliff, I want him as my backup because Kyler gets hurt every single year. Colt McCoy after Monday night is probably like, I don't, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Yeah. (laughs) So go be Colt McCoy now. Sure. Uh, Sam Darnold. No, no. I'd uh, I'd take him and just kind of be like, you know what, you're gonna be, uh, we're gonna use you on some quarterback sneaks or something, and we'll find something for you to do. And he seems to be, again, what people say about, he seems to be a well liked guy who sure. kind of knows his role, so he can he can be on my team as my backup, but he's not gonna solve my quarterback problem. No, uh, this is going to be, <laughs> this is a very raw take. Uh, I gotta cook it. I gotta see how it tastes. Uh, but I'm working on it. I think I take a flyer. I don't want to say. I don't want to say like, yeah, sign this guy and and you're good for uh, any period of time. But I'm gonna take a flyer on Drew Locke if uh, if I can because I think a lot of us this summer were like, well, if Drew Locke can't beat out Geno Smith, what is the guy? Uh, however, Geno Smith ended up being pretty good. Uh, you know, there's sort of no shame in that when you look back on it at this point, even though I do want to point out, by the way, when Jenny was on the show last year, we were the original pro Geno Smith podcast. True. Um, we gotta, we gotta get that on t-shirts or something. Uh, Drew Locke traits good as I speak in very broken English. Uh, the other thing is I don't think he fit with either offensive coach during his time in Denver. I think there's still time to reprogram him and figure out how to make it work. Okay. I, um, I respect that. I'm, I'm okay with that. I think Uh, we are, we are probably shifting because we just have had no injection of quarterback talent really the last two years. Uh, so if you, like, if you count this year, there's probably two guys, if that, um, and then last year there were no guys. And so when that happens, when that void creates, you're going to have to go back and recheck your notes and try to find somebody that has been in the league that just hasn't been maximized yet. And Drew Locke could certainly mm-hmm. be one of those guys. Uh, have you watched the draft dudes at all? I had Levis on uh, versus Georgia the other day, but mostly to see how Georgia plays against played against Kentucky because Kentucky is running the Rams offense, basically. offense yeah. yeah um or the 49ers offense so I would want to see how I wanted to see how Kirby Smart played that offense and it was interesting and I think a lot of teams are going to be doing that moving forward but okay um but I was he's making a lot of mistakes that's the problem yeah 
and, and I, it stinks because I think traits wise, you know, uh, I was talking to people before the season started and I wrote in my bold predictions back in June. I thought by by Halloween, he was going to be fully established as the number one pick. And yeah, I'm I'm wrong about that. They uh, I, I'm still on the Levis bandwagon. I, I've been diving into the quarterbacks a little bit here. Uh, I love Bryce Young as a guy who has absolutely no skin in the game of of taking Bryce Young. He's such an outlier size wise, not only height, but also frame uh, that it's just going to be really interesting what uh, what happens here. But uh, I think he could play in structure. I, it's always I think the most underrated thing when we look at quarterbacks is I think people don't realize how much more claustrophobic and frantic in NFL quarterback is, in NFL uh, pocket is for a quarterback as uh, compared to what you have in college, where a lot of these guys are playing in pretty comfortable spaces. Uh, I think he can manage that uh, at the NFL level, even at his size. Uh, I just think he kind of has it. I think he's going to be that outlier. Who's almost uh, um, he can manage a pocket, you know, not to the extent that Drew Brees did, but I do think he's maybe uh, kind of on that path. But I'd, I'd take Bryce Young first overall in a heartbeat in this class. Um, and I think you can still squint and see Will Levis as a guy who doesn't have a ton of answers. I mean, he, he you know, Kentucky's not overly talented. They don't have a team where the receivers are necessarily going to win in single coverage frequently. Uh, and I think you can draw some comparisons to Josh Allen, Wyoming. Uh, maybe uh, maybe an off-brand version of that is what you're looking at. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's what he's going to be billed as. And I think that that's, that's what either makes him or breaks him, I think, in, in the draft this year. My takiest take at this point, though, I'm, I'm not... I could be completely wrong. I'm not in on C.J. Stroud. Uh, I think he's a first-round pick. I just... I think he's going to be... He's a system guy, and I don't know if he necessarily lifts up the system. I think he can operate the system really well, but you have to be really confident in your system. Uh, I love the accuracy and the touch and that stuff, but the when he gets pushed off schedule, it's it's just not going well enough, uh, especially on a team that is so overwhelmingly more talented than uh, than the opponents they play. But I'm trying to craft a take where it's not I take Tanner McKee of Stanford or Bo Nix of Oregon over C.J. Stroud because that's ridiculous. You take C.J. Stroud first, but I'd rather wait until round two and take a flyer on one of those guys and see what I have uh, than take C.J. Stroud in, say, the top half of round one. I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. You've, okay. you've lost your equal footing on your friendship level with Albert Breer, Ohio State grad. But oh, he doesn't listen to our show (laughs) (laughs) ever since we made him do the quiz and he did really poorly. True. The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcast is Scott Brody. And our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB Super Bowl champion. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts. And once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. 